Elite Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We got Kayla in the house. Kayla, what's going on? You're going to have an easy day today. <laughs> you took my job. <laughs> I did. I did. This, this, it's very rare that I will do that, but our guest today, who we'll get to shortly, this has been something a long time in the making. I'm super excited. And I had a lot of stuff personally I just wanted to talk to Joe about. So, yeah, I took over hosting duties for today, but you still get to record and upload and do all the back end work that you're just awesome at. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, Jason, you're in the house, man. It's nice and bright. Where are you at? Are you at home? I'm upstairs. Um, my office is just getting such intense light. Uh, I need to get someone out to get like really nice blinds that match and everything. So, I'm upstairs. <clears throat> well, before we get into our guest and kind of what's new with us for the week, Jason, I'm going to throw this over to you. Sir. Sure. Um, I just saw that you posted on Instagram and this of course is there's always a couple of weeks after we, we record it. Talk about what's new with you, but before you do any of that, I want you to tell me about getting in this fucking ice bath <laughs> and you are someone that hates the cold. Yep. I'm so surprised that you did this. Yep. It's making me want to do it because if you're going to do it, then I'm probably going to have to do it. And why don't you <laughs> walk us through that experience? Um, You know what? Uh, where do I start? So yeah, I hate the cold. 100% freaking hate it. Um, I would not be in Kentucky if it wasn't for my my nine-year-old son. I'd be in, I'd be in Tampa. Um, so anyways, I'm down in Tampa. I'm there doing some cool shit that I'll tell you about in a minute. And I'm with my business partner, Vince Pitstick. Some of you know him. And he's got a cold plunge tub. And this cold plunge tub is like the state of the art, like cold, cold plunge. Like this isn't like some barrel we pour some ice in. He's got this tub like up on this balcony overlooking the freaking uh, – ocean and it's just badass the sun's coming up so anyways i'm like screw it man like you know they're telling me all the benefits of it like it it, it helps your joints it like lowers inflammation big time helps burn body fat uh helps kick in autophagy i've I've known people literally kicking autoimmune diseases just by doing cold plunges and stuff so he's like tells me how you get in you know like and i, I get in the back and i just plop right in because i know it's going to be really bad and at that point your breath just is like taken from you and you almost want to start hyperventilating, but you got to like control your breathing like really well. And everything goes pretty numb pretty quickly, but what it does, it goes, the pain is the worst in any joint that's inflamed. So my knees are my, my worst, you know, I still squat and I still get my, my, my leg workout, but I'm, they're not as good as they were when I was young. And so it goes right to my knees and I broke my elbow in Cancun and had nothing done on it. So it's going to there and his pain is like, he tells me 40 seconds in and I'm just like, I, I don't know if I can do this, man. Like every part of my body is like, get out, get out. And he wanted me to do two minutes. So I was like, oh my God, I got another minute 20 of this. So I just said, control my breathing. Then at the end, they tell you to dunk your whole head and body in. That's even worse. I did all that. I got out. And you know, when you get out, you're, you're pretty focused. Um, I'm not a cold person. So I wasn't, you know, shivering like I've seen people. Um, I was pretty focused, pretty awake. It's a huge, like opening of your dopamine. Um, I'd probably do it again because honestly, I went in legs three days later, no pain in my knees whatsoever. I'm not shitting you. It was the best leg pump I've had in probably two years. Um, so I'm considering maybe getting one. I wish I lived in Florida where I was warm all the time. I don't really know how I'm going to feel about getting in that in a damn thing in the morning and Kentucky morning. 
but I'm considering it. And I'm also considering putting an infrared sauna down in the basement. I got plenty of areas. So we'll see. We'll see. But it was it was worth it. It was worth it. Awesome. And I I, I don't want us to take up too much of time uh, of our time talking about business and stuff like that. But obviously you were down in Tampa. You've got some big things going on with New Ethics and the supplement company. Just give everybody a real quick minute on that. Yeah, I'm on a company called Boom America. Uh, this is this is uh, they picked four companies. And they're doing like a documentary on us. And but what the, the premise is, Kevin Harrington, he was one of the original Shark Tank uh, people. He's behind the scenes and he built this A team. So we've got like the best in marketing, the best in Facebook marketing. We have a PR woman who can get people on like, you know, to USA Today. We've got all these like we've got the Amazon guy and he's he built his business to 100 million on selling Amazon. Now he was helping other businesses and then he buys them. He's got all these businesses that are hitting 100 mil on Amazon. We have all these experts at, at our fingertips and uh, they're filming us like going through and like being coached. And it's a really neat experience. And now they're throwing new ideas at us. Like one of the guys is into fitness. He wants me to like take him through a workout. And like, so I got to get back down to Florida, but it's to, it's, it's, it's going to be on like potentially discovery channel, but it's going to be on like Roku, um, Amazon uh, prime and all these fire. So very cool. Very cool. And then they just invited Advanced Vitality down and I got to go back March 16th for Advanced Vitality. So now the HRT clinic is going to be on uh, a couple of the series as as well. On an, It's a new uh, episode, but it's going to be on as well. So we're getting help uh, with Advanced Vitality. So a lot of big things um, are coming from it and uh, making a lot of cool connections that I think are really going to be able to catapult us far and maybe some even my other businesses as well. So I, I'm pumped. Yeah, always growing, man. Kayla, how about you? How's your last couple couple weeks been? Well, they've been good. Um, just like you, John, we are getting a huge snowstorm. So if you guys notice, I'm not at my normal place because I made it to town. I just haven't made it back home yet. <laughs> um, so we're getting a bunch of snow here. Um, but otherwise, like business-wise, things are going really, really good. Um, I've signed on probably about six new clients in the past like couple weeks, nice. um, which is really cool um have a couple competitors coming up here um for shows this year uh so they're getting ready i have a couple that are like 14 weeks out one that's like eight weeks out all coming together really nice so that's fun to see um and then yeah and then i'm just so good at all this like admin stuff that the excellence cartel wanted me to help them with theirs so i'm doing all that now too um with just making graphics and stuff like that helping them out on back end everything but I'm super organized, so I like doing that stuff, and it's fun. So give me something hey, to do. Hey, listen, Jeff Black and I are competitive, right? Because that's Jason's sister show. Don't be getting too good over there. Don't make their podcast too good. I'll have to shoot him a text and be like, "Hey, man, listen, don't be don't be swiping people." So, uh, I yeah, I won't spend a lot of time on this. I'll just hold this up for the people watching on YouTube. We just dropped four new products today. This is our new birthday cake protein, and I promise you, it tastes as good as the picture. Um, four new products, an L-citrulline uh, powder. We've got a Cosmic Orange pre-workout and a smaller tub of creatine, a 200-gram serving, because creatine has just been really hard to come by the last couple of years. Really, really hard. We've got a good line on that. So now we're able to offer a couple different options. From the business side, we're up a lot. We're up $15,000 average. I'm not going to tell people the gross average a month. I would never do that with my company, but we're up $15,000 in January and another fifteen. dollars in February. So it's growing like crazy. So we're just pushing hard, lots of wholesale accounts, getting into a lot of places systematically. Coaching's up, just blessed, doing good, healthy. 
not fat like I was. So that's always a good thing. And um, just excited, just doing our thing, hosting these podcasts and, and having a blast. Now, Joe, we're going to get to you. But first, I want to do somewhat of an introduction. I want to be careful here because we've all watched movies like medieval movies and you've got this knight that comes out and he's got the guy that introduces them and he's like healing from Death Valley. This person has achieved blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that because your list is so long and I don't want to do it injustice. So what I'm going to do is we're going to start off and do a little introduction. And then I've got a couple personal stories of how I know you. Even this, this is the first time we've really ever talked. Um, I've known about you for a long time. And Jason, you're old school like I am. We've, we go way back to the message boards days. So if you have any stories of how you knew of Joe or anything like that, we can share those. But Joe, I, I wanted to tell you the first time that I really knew who you were, it was 2007 in Springfield, Missouri. That's where I'm at now. Um, there was Mike Thomas put on a natural bodybuilding show. Now you're old like me, and I don't know if your memory's like mine or not, but if you remember, it was in Springfield, Missouri. You had a guy that won the overall. He was a bodybuilder. He had almost like a, a Russian name. I can't remember who he was. Great bodybuilder, but you were in the crowd. And I had really only gotten into natural bodybuilding for about a year. I was reading, you know, the natural magazines and I'd saw I'd saw you sitting out there and you had a hat on, pulled low, real chill, not, hey, everybody, look at me. You were just there to do your job. And I remember seeing you out there and I, I knew who you were from the boards. I was like, holy shit, Dr. Joe's here. And, you know, your client kicked ass and did really well. And, I, you know, I followed along and, and saw a lot of the information that you were putting out. And then in 2011, you wrote something for Iron Man magazine that you really, all my clients listening to this, if it wasn't for that article, I don't know if I would have developed the intro workout protocol that I put together. So you had put out an article talking about things like dextrose and amino acids and how they can absorb easily and sometimes even bypass the, the bloodstream and not pull as much blood into the digestive system. And you can use that stuff during during a workout. And you had written that, I remember very specifically, I still have the magazine somewhere in 2011. So you've been very instrumental, even though I haven't got to really talk to you in person and really kind of shaping the way that I've done business with my clients. And I'm someone that likes to experiment. So I just want to tell you, thank you for that, by the way great article and um in good times now jason what about you going back where did you first start to learn about dr joe i believe it was bodybuilding.com um and you know a lot of guys there that were natural bodybuilders i believe had kind of been working with him so i would see you know his name come up quite a bit there yeah so kayla you're part of the new school so you normally on the show jason and i were old school you're right 2007 and, and beyond Joe, you're the old guy, man. Sorry, but you're going to be you're going to be the godfather and we'll get to you in a second. Kayla, you're kind of the new school. She Kayla is up to speed on a lot of the new stuff that's happening. She studies a lot of the old stuff, but she's kind of where the industry is headed. Um, have you heard about Dr. Joe much prior to this? Do you have any interaction or anything like that you want to talk about? Um, I've never like directly had anything like from Dr. Joe or anything like that. I've heard of the diet doc before. Um, and with flexible dieting and things like that, but never really like into a lot of your research. So I'm going to learn a lot today. Um, like I said, like John said, I like to learn a lot from, from the older people and older generations and apply that to what's coming now. So, so for me, this is going to be fun. Uh, I just get to sit back today and, and learn. So this is cool. Yeah. So Joe, I want you to go ahead and, and introduce yourself. And there's just a couple of things I want to point out here. You've got over 400 pro card wins with your athletes, over 150 pro titles, 
and over 50 world championships. And I'm someone that I've always kept track of my clients and their performance and how many wins they've had. And, and I've got good numbers. I'm super proud of that. But this blows, blows me away over here and a lot of coaches. So if you don't mind, let everybody know who you are and your list of accomplishments and what you own and what you're involved in. Appreciate it, guys, very much. That's uh, it's great listening to you just interact with each other and, and talk about the the old and the new parts of the industry. I think that really encapsulates my career well. But when you ask Kayla what she knows about me, I totally expected her to say, "Who Joe? Who? Like who is this guy?" Because uh, my my entire career was established before social media. So, you know, I started way back in the early '90s and was writing for natural bodybuilding magazines in the in the mid and late 90s and then moved into some of the, the bigger ones later <clears throat> but there was a there was kind of a, a a before common era and common era bifurcation of my career in that right about the time social media started and facebook i think is 17 18 years old i got really busy with licensing franchising our company and developing coaches around the world and i i intentionally retracted from coaching. So there was about a 10-year gap where I had just kind of checked out. And, and to be honest, before social media and before men's physique and bikini, bodybuilding was kind of on a downslide. And I really projected this just to be a dying sport. And my interest is more in general population health and wellness and so forth. And so I got busy doing that. <clears throat> Well, then along comes this resurgence in some of those parts of the sport and some of the people who had grown up reading some of my work, like, you know, Eric Helms, Lane Norton, people like that started developing these coaching companies, Paul Revella after that, you guys. And I thought, wow, now it's getting kind of fun. Like it really is regrowing and it, it's it's social media is, is pulling a lot of these loose ends together. I remember I used to have webs, websites that really kept parts of my business separate because I thought some people would be freaked out about the competitive side and over here is more my medical community side. And I think social media just blurred all those lines together where people can really be a little bit more unified in all the things they do. So probably seven, eight years ago, I decided, well, fuck it. I'm jumping back in like mm -hmm. this. This You guys are really this next generation has made it really fun. Yeah. So uh, definitely reshaping a little bit of, of what our company is about. Matter of fact, we've we've changed our franchising and licensing model because I don't, just don't think that works as well anymore to our Flexible Dieting Institute Professional Coach Association. So People aren't coming into our company becoming the diet doc of Youngstown, Ohio, the diet doc of Tampa, Florida. That it's, you know, everybody has their own brand. Everybody wants to do their own thing. So we're we're still giving the kind of support both clinically and and from a business development side, but more with their independent brands. But it's just uh, like you said, it's been a long time coming. I mean, here we are after knowing about each other. I've, you know, followed you guys for a long time as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those things too. We're gonna get to the, the nuts and bolts, especially the franchise side, because I've got some cool questions there. Jason, I know your brain's probably already thinking about stuff to ask there as, as we continue to grow our brands. Let's talk about, you, let's kick this off at the beginning. You said you started in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, talk us a little bit through that. Tell us when you first started to coach athletes. Um, so I was still an undergrad. I was at the IU Medical School in Indianapolis. It was 1992. And 
just because I was already bodybuilding in terms of competing, had been doing that for a few years, you know, since I was 20 years old. And I remember working out in a gym on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And I thought, man, I'm a, I'm a starving college kid. I need money. Like, let me let me do anything. And, I, and personal training was even at that point just kind of starting. So I remember hanging up a little flyer at the gym and it was to do more nutrition coach type stuff, you know, just setting up programming. I didn't have time to personally train people. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I, I guess I came up with that idea simply because I watched uh, a personal trainer who was in Evansville, Indiana, where I'm at now. Uh, he, he was just a trainer in a gym and he had a little cadre of bodybuilders that he would help get ready for shows. And that was just kind of their little, little team in this gym. And I thought that's really cool. You know, he's giving some nutrition advice and I think I've got a pretty good handle on that, at least experimentally. So I started dabbling in a little bit of coaching like that. And a couple of years go by, I graduate. I'm an orthopedic physical therapist back in Northern Indiana. And I started doing this out of my home as kind of a side gig because I just loved it. And so I'm doing my normal thing, you know, Monday through Friday. And then as a lot of us in the gym, you know, people stop and ask, my gosh, how do you look like that? Well, can you help me? And so I started doing this, you know, whole, there wasn't anything like just nutrition coaching as we know it now. So it was just the the whole package. It was training, just as giving them their training program and giving them nutrition guidance and so forth. And so that really forced me to put this in some kind of pedagogical form. Like, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to give these people when they transact with me? They give me money. I'm giving them this. What is it supposed to look like? So, I mean, this is going way back. Like before even, I mean, the internet itself was just getting off the ground. So a lot of this stuff was meeting with people with notebooks and so forth. That's how archaic this was. So I, I think the, the first time I was doing something super, super formally, even though that was all 92 to 94, 95, was in 97, 96, actually, end of 96, I returned to Evansville to buy that personal trainer that I had met, the gym he was working in, I bought that gym. Uh, I decided, yeah, I want to make this plunge. I, I had just finished my doctorate in nutrition. I had won my pro card with WNBF. And, and even though my physical therapy career was really fledgling, I was getting a little disillusioned. The first wave of managed healthcare was coming on board and it was getting uh, it was adding a lot of distance between you as a provider and patients. And so I just, I, that was getting less fun. So I thought, I'm just going to go buy this gym and and do training and nutrition. So again, there was no really particular business model for that. So I'm creating this whole nutrition program type work for local clients. And since that's so novel, I, I really just landed right at the top tier in our community. So I'm working with our mayor, our congressman, the top attorneys and business owners. Like I'm I'm that guy in the, the fitness world locally. Well, about that time, I started competing in the WNBF and I do a contest where the editor in, the, in chief for their publications, they had five or six magazines based in New York City. He was the head judge, and as he's introducing me, he's like, holy shit, this guy's got a doctorate in nutrition, and he's a pro, and I've got five magazines I've got to fill content for every month. So he he chased me down, and pretty soon I'm writing for all of his magazines, and had that not happened, you guys would 
I've never heard of me because I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm not out there just hounding, you know, people to do things. So he kind of drew me out into that. And since that was pre-social media, everybody who wanted this new form of technical information, talking about peaking and, and upending some of the old school myths, you know, that was me. That's that, that kind of contrarian perspective is what built my career and that kind of brings us up to the the early 2000s and that's that's where i think things really started taking off when did you uh, and, and feel free to jump in with any other questions you guys is obviously as you know um when did you first start to use email to work with people outside of your area do you remember do you remember when you started that that's a, that's a really funny question uh nobody nobody's old enough to ask me that so you you and i are right there in that, <laughs> that ballpark because you no know, the funny thing about that is i, I do remember I don't think I've thought of this in decades, but I, I would come home from my gym. I mean, you're, you're talking old Pentium computers, like when they were so big, they barely fit on a desk. And email was, you know, these green characters on a screen, um, you know, just nothing like today. Uh, and it, it was like snail mail. I would go home from my gym. I was at that facility for maybe 12 hours or so. You go home, you turn on your computer and you check email. And so if you're communicating with clients, which that's when I, that was probably, again, 97, 98, 99, right in there. And so that way you can reach out to people. And I would say my first online nutrition clients probably started coming in because that's where, when you could really access each other a little bit more quickly. I think 98 was the first time I had a pro client win a pro title. Um, but yeah, and I, I distinctly remember getting the first smartphone, like when they were just PDAs and then they went to BlackBerry and I thought I had really hacked the system because now I could be at work and I could communicate, I could catch up and, and not have that to go home. And then all of a sudden everybody else started getting these phones and I would respond to somebody and they'd respond right back. And I remember standing in my gym the first time that happened, and I thought, holy shit, this is going to be bad. Because I used to have this buffer where I could, you know, get that information back to somebody. And then, the, you know, a day or two would go by and you'd get a response from them. But, it's, you know, you, you know what it's like to have two, 300 email in your inbox and you're getting through your, quote, work. And all of a sudden it's just coming in now faster than you're even getting it back out. So so that that was a turning point for sure. It's funny you asked. It's, it's one of those things I like to look at. There's a bell curve out there, but when you see the life cycle of anything, right, you've got, it starts at the beginning and you've got the inventor, um, the person that comes up with the ideas. And then you've got the next phase is the early adopter. <clears throat> and those are people that will like stand in line for 48 hours to buy a new iPhone, for example. And then those early adopt, then it goes from there to the masses, gen pop, right? To me in this whole life cycle of online coaching, People like you, and I can think of one other that's been around doing a long time. It's Chad Nichols on the MPC IFBB side. Like you were the two guys I always think of as the godfathers of online coaching. You guys are the two that really started. And then you've got these early adopters. You've got the people that you named earlier, you know, people like Lane Norton that you worked with. And then he was able to go on and start to do things after uh, people like me and Jason. We were the early adopters. And then all of a sudden it starts to get popular. And then it goes from us to the masses. And right now, where we're at is we're in the masses. That's why we see so so many coaches out there, qualified or unqualified, is another topic for another day. But you're really there at the beginning, and then we're the early adopters, and then now it's on to the masses. And then 
it moves on from there to the late adopters. And those are the people that kind of become insignificant and we're, we're getting pretty close to that. One other question I want to ask you is in the early days, if you had someone that you were working with long distance, how are you looking at pictures? Like that was the thing. How did you work with someone for a show when that's just so hard? What was that? What was that system like? Well, I mean, you, you could send pictures, you know, you could have attachments and so forth, but I, I do remember uh, even prior to that, when I personally was competing and I wanted to have somebody look at it, my photos, you literally had to go develop the film and put them in an envelope. You know, I remember doing that with somebody that I was soliciting a little advice from, but, you know, very, very quickly, there was it, it, most of what you see today in coaching as the normative processes like a weekly check-in send me photos that kind of thing right you know those those were things i was doing all the way back then in the late 90s and you know a lot of those things are somewhat again archaic out of necessity you know you, you a weekly check-in was pretty timely you, you needed that much time to get those things back and forth now i think a lot of coaches who are in that late adopter phase that are trying to break in you know, they grew up with iPhones in their hands. And so to them, instant communication is quite normal. So a lot of coaches have moved on from that and, you know, they're texting and it could be Sunday night at 11 o'clock and they're, you know, still chatting with clients. Other other people have boundaries they put in place, rightfully so. But if you want to, you know, break in and be somebody who's really modeling after customer service, you can do anything like that now back then it was just you know that was kind of the speed of business it's it's really interesting to to just think about what it was like in the early 90s um now we move on to the 2000 to 2010 range and that that like i said now you're starting to lay the foundation the message boards are around starting to educate and people are starting to find out who you are and then other people that you've worked with are starting to now become coaches and it's starting to become that this thing to where You've proven that that this online coaching thing can work through email. You had to take the time to tell people. You know, I'm sure people had questions back then, like, "Hey, how are you going to peak me through email? How are you going to do my nutrition?" Right? And we take a lot of that for granted now. But it was guys like you and the folks that followed after that really had to convince people and show them um, that you could actually do this online because I'm sure that was a super foreign thing, right? Did you run into a lot of that in, in the early days? Yeah, that, that exact question, you know, how will you do this? And, and I had to convince them that because of the consistency of information, the flow over weeks and months, you know, you, as you, as a coach, you know, I don't care how many clients you have, you could have 300 clients, you can, your brain is big enough to compartmentalize one person's journey. And, and it, you're, you're creating this loop over and over and over where you almost start to get to know their body more than they know their body. And you can be very predictive of what you're going to do and what changes you're going to make. So, you know, you're kind of seeing this whole arc and then checking off those hash marks and course correcting if you need. But that, that was definitely part of the pitch early on is just making people feel secure that this will work out. And then when they start seeing the results, you know, you, you mentioned some of that early in th those 2000s, that that was a what I would call kind of a sweet spot in not just my career, but the coaching industry, because that's when it was very normalized. Those th that first wave, the Lane Norton's, the Eric Helms, all those guys were just coming online so I just didn't have a lot of competition. And since I was 
creating a lot better physiological approaches like keeping sodium in, don't dehydrate, don't, you know, don't just rely on this rapid backload, old school stuff. I, I was creating these different methods for different reasons, different physiological body types. And so it was, it was easy for me to walk in to, for example, the WNBF world championships and just sweep classes, you know, you know, first through fifth in, in pro classes, winning the world championship every year, uh, you know, in every division, because I would have 30 or 40 clients in those shows. Uh, you know, we've reached this point of information singularity with social media, where something you say today is seen by hundreds of thousands of people by the end of the week. Back then, you had to physically go to a science conference or fitness camp to hear somebody like me speak, or to you know, get a monthly issue of a magazine and read this stuff. And so, you know, there just, there was a pretty long span of time where I was ahead of the curve in, in that kind of knowledge that I was experimenting with and creating. Now it's a lot more difficult because every single contest you go to, there are hundreds and hundreds of coaches represented. They're all reading information people like me have put out for decades, you guys as well. And so now it gets harder and harder and harder. If everybody in the MLB is throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs, it's harder to hit a home run. And so, you know, I, I think that that's where the, the the entire industry is maturing. And like you said, this gap between early adopters and late adopters, there's always some die off, some catabolism. You know, coaches who can't make it are just not going to make it. They're gonna they're gonna starve and go do something else. But uh, we're we're definitely in a, in a high growth end right now in the industry as there's just this free for all. Yeah, you know I think it's important whenever I I talk to coaches um, that want to you know do a one hour consult with me for example or just meet with them in person. I always tell them even though it's oversaturated right now, you still always have to look for the next thing. Whether you come up with it or you start to spot something. I mean, honestly, this podcast exists because of the work Jason put in with functional med and starting to understand hormones and systems of the body. And I was talking about insulin sensitivity and we were Jason, mostly myself a little bit, we were a little early on that stuff. And now we see it at scale, right? Because this podcast is like three, four years and old here's the thing: in eight weeks insurance, you can bill your insurance for, for health coaches. Do you know how much that's going to open the market? Yeah. That that's, that's buy-in like that's massive. But the thing is, you want to be on the side. I'm just saying it. You want to be on the functional side because that's a $380 billion industry. And people know, I mean, you're going to fight for clients. If you're just a competitor, if you're, all you do is do competitors, <clears throat> someone's going to rise to the top, but then the rest of you are going to be picking at kernels. Um, mm -hmm. It's a $380 billion business and insurance is now going to accept it, man. I mean, that's wild. And so we've made it. And so it is saturated on one side and on the other side, it's not. Right. You know, only like 12% of the population even knows what a coach is. They're still going to look at you with like a deer in headlights. That's going to grow, 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 grow now because now their insurance can pay for it. And I'm not, I, I would, I'm not going to do it because I want cash. Uh, I don't want to be bartered with, but, but that is how the acceptance has gone now. Um, so it, I think right now, actually the industry is poised to boom. It's in the next five years, everyone's going to almost have a health coach. So. Yeah, it's 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 super interesting. And I, I want to spend just a little bit more time in the 2000s and we'll move on. Um, do you feel like you talked about that sweet spot, Joe? Do you feel like that was 
around the same time you've got a ton of because word of mouth is huge as we all know as coaches like you've got clients winning shows and you know all their friends are going to ask who their coach is so dr joe's name's coming up and then boom it grows we know that's the base of growing any business is word of mouth how important was it for you to be in those magazines around that time and put out educational content because you talk about pre-social media i'm my whole business has been made from social media putting out educational content yours was in a magazine at scale was that huge did you just get bombarded with people hiring you on what did that look like yeah and it i would say first of all i was fortunate in that i was just becoming you know aware of that medium just doing my thing i love to write and here i was given the opportunity to write and so you know had i hit that sweet spot in a different era you know possibly the same thing would have happened but i just i i feel like that was really um set to me so to speak like it, it really hit my strengths because the next person after me who was definitely more geared towards social media because he's an extrovert was lane so from bodybuilding.com to facebook to everything else you know my my career was stable i was off doing other things here comes lane who's very extroverted and he really popularized nutrition coaching so you are right. I mean, I, I had to completely change my business model, make hires around the fact that I, I can only do contest prep. And, and I did that so hard and so aggressively for about 15 years that that's why I, I kind of retracted and said, I'm just done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm emailing clients 18 hours a day, six days a week, all day, all day Saturday that my kids grew up just hearing me on the phone talking about, you know, carbs and sodium and how long until you're on stage and, you know, just you know, that was my life. And I just, I really started to resent it a bit and wanted something different. But at the same time, uh, you know, it was, it was the birth of an industry and some of the things I recognized. And so I was intentionally trying to shape, but other things I definitely predicted wrong, just like what Jason mentioned. Um, you know, the American Dietetic Association, as it was back then, was very successful in legislating that if you're not an MD or an RD, you can't do anything. And I abided by that. Yeah, I structured my company, so I hired a medical director and a dietetics director. Everybody else doing this was doing it illegally at high risk. And by sheer mass, because is the ADA going to go sue 10,000 nutrition coaches, 100,000, a million? It just, it just didn't happen. So like music piracy or something else, there, there was just no bite behind that bark. And now it's become so normalized that state legislatures have even changed. It's, it shocks me to read some of those changes where they have gone in, lawmakers intentionally, like who gives a shit what nutrition coaches are doing? Like, like Jason said, a small percentage of people even know we exist. And yet they've made those changes to say, as long as you're not doing medical nutrition therapy, it's now a viable, allowable occupation. Back then it wasn't. And so I just didn't put a lot of stock in the future. And that's why I steered away from it, you know, quite intentionally. It's, it's, uh, it's real interesting as you, as you watch as the years go by, because there's so many years here that, that you've been doing this. I'm just fascinated to learn about each little, you know, each little nugget um let's talk about the diet doc franchise and let's go ahead and and Hold get on. all that I have in a question oh yeah go ahead kayla i want to pop in i just wanted to say like holy crap i didn't realize how long you've been doing this for you've been doing this before i was born so this is like uh -huh. really really cool to hear about 
Um, that doesn't myself. make me feel old at all. <laughs> I don't mean to make that make you feel old. But no, it's just like my thought just goes to like learning all the stuff one way and doing it one way. But then like I know like I've grown up with social media and like all this kind of stuff and been used to that and used to texting and used to them being able to contact me anytime. So just like making that change, transferring to something like that and being like, holy crap, all these people want to talk to me right now. Like that must have been like a big shock I guess or like how did you kind of handle that like did you just set boundaries right away or have to kind of like dig yourself out of that a little bit that's another great question Kayla because I, I really did resist it for a while um I'm pretty protective anyway I had four young kids and so I, I did want to be the guy who had all those boundaries it take it took me years and years and years to even give my cell phone number to clients and so forth and now again it's just so normalized mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time once once you miss a couple times in business and and you've you predicted something wrong you learn to be a little bit more humble and open minded about what the potential is and so very much like John and Jason have, have said, I, I definitely learned to try to anticipate and see what's happening and the possibilities. So, I, you know, now at 53 years old, I am a much better business owner than I was at, at 27 years old. Um, but because, yeah, those those things were hard to adopt initially. And now, ironically, I'm on the front end telling coaches your age, like you're you're falling behind. Like you need to hurry up and get over here because you're you're getting passed by, and that's a whole yep. different aggressive mindset you have to have today. I mean, business cycles are now just months long, mm -hmm. and anything that you create now that you think I've got the greatest system in place, six months from now it's going to be obsolete. Yeah, yeah, it's the constant change and stuff, and like with coaches my age, like the younger generation coming up, a lot of it is like accessibility, accessibility. Like that's what people want. That's what people expect. So like we end up running ourselves into the ground, getting burnout because we're accessible at all times of day and people don't set those boundaries. And I've found that if I do set that boundary with clients, they usually respect it. And like, I just, I have an app messaging app and they message me through there. And at a certain time of night, it just turns off and I don't hear from them. So and my clients have all seemed to respect that. And they all say, like, I get back to them in a timely fashion. So no one's upset or anything. But, but yeah, I just was curious about that. Great, great questions. Yeah. All right. Grandpa Joe, now now that she's made you feel old. <laughs> literally, literally, I have two grandkids. <laughs> That's awesome. Let, let's talk about the the Diet Doc franchising. And let's just let's just talk about the whole thing here, because you talked about transitioning that over a little bit. When did that start? When did you start licensing out? Because I, I remember seeing, and it wasn't long ago, multiple people would own a diet doc location all over the United States. So when did that start? It was a little bit more than 20 years ago. Um, I think maybe even 21, 22 years ago. And, and it was for that reason. I, I saw the writing on the wall. This thing has legs. This is happening. Some some Everywhere I would go speak, somebody would invariably come up to me and say, man, I want to do what you do. How do I do this? And I would say, well, legally, you can't. And so I, I investigated the idea. I talked to an intellectual property attorney. Ironically, he's still my IP guy here in town. And we discussed the differences legally between franchising and licensing and you know things like that. And uh, we, we chose a st structurally a licensing model. And I knew I had to have on staff an RD or an MD. So I did both. I'm hyper vigilant. I want to make sure I've got all my bases covered and I'm not going to lead somebody into a business that then collapses because it's not a sound legal structure. So that was really a big part of our pitch, John. We would, you know, when I would go speak somewhere, 
uh, you know, again, people would want to do this. And I would say, well, you know, legally, here are the, the boundaries and here's how this could work. You know, if you have a license from us, you are licensed in all 50 states to do this. It gives you legal coverage. And then you have our support. You know, we have this great structure where you're going to be trained by us. You're part of us. You get to use our systems, even down to doing, you know, the processing, you know, th them being tied to our website. So it just became a business in a box, what you'd really want from a franchise system where you could easily just buy in, get the training, get the support, and even tie into that name recognition and credibility. So that that wave continued on for 12 to 15 years where we had about 250 locations around the world. I mean, we were in Damn. Australia, Shit. South Africa, Germany, Romania. I mean, everywhere. We were just everywhere. And then it started kind of trickling to a plateau. And so I'm thinking, okay, market's a little saturated. We've been around for a while. We got to work a little harder, sell, sell, sell. And pretty soon it's like, man, this is really like something's wrong. This is this business model is not working any longer. And speaking to Kayla's point about just recognition and adoption of, of new information, that's when I finally realized, okay, the, the, the hindrance I'm getting is that everybody has the same objection. Well, I don't want to be seen as part of your company. I don't want, I don't want people to think I'm just part of the diet doc. I have my own brand. And we had already for years resolve that by co-branding. You know, you're so-and-so business, but you're you're still in our network. You're still, you're supported by us. You, you don't have to use our name. You're still part of that legal structure. But at the same time, people just started not caring. They, they didn't care about that legal uh, restraint. And, and, you know, at this point, rightly so. I mean, it, it truly is. There, there have only been a handful of cases against nutrition coaches they generally have been around just raw negligence. You know, I don't care if you're licensed or anything. You could be a, a medical doctor. If you're negligent, you're negligent. And so uh, you know, there, there have been positive findings legally where a judge treats nutrition coaches just like a personal trainer or a, a hair or nail technician. It's like if you do something wrong, you do something wrong. But th there's never any question that you can't be doing that unless you are making claims against the FDA's policy that you're not supposed to make. You know, you as a nutrition coach, don't tell people like, hey, let's let's talk about your stage four metastatic cancer. I I, I have the cure for you, you know, or I'm going to give you this diet that is going to help you. You know, you stay in your lane and you're okay. So I, I finally realized, John, just, just last year that licensing was dead. I, I have to make this, actually, I should say, Eight, nine, ten years ago, I started seeing the writing on the wall. So I started shifting our contracts, leaning toward an ending point. And so just last year, we made the announcement and the decision that as a licensed diet doc clinician, you can be grandfathered into this new Flexible Dieting Institute Professional Coach Association, but it's no longer this licensing superstructure. It's an association of coaches with three different levels, depending on whether you need practitioner, client service support, or just business development support, or you're here just for the networking and the client acquisition, you know, just a A, B, and C level tier. But now it's no longer the diet doc licensing. It's it's just this, you know, corporate professional coach association. 
Man, that was so ahead of the time, um, extremely ahead of the time. And I can see how some of these things would start to, and I hate to use the word kill off, but start to make a dent, right? Because you said things at scale and people just being able to just do the things they want. And I mean, you can't sue everybody. So I, I can see how that happened. Also in there, you've got a supplement company. When did that start? You've got the Diet Doc supplements, your, your precision blended protein. Um, when did that start? So in th- this was a this was a dark area of my my life. Very briefly, um, <laughs> back when Metrics and EAS were the only companies to have national shelf space, um, a friend of mine in Indiana was a biochemist, and he was in the supplement distribution area. That was you know he was a big national sales director for a national supplement company. And he and he saw my my rise in the natural bodybuilding world with writing and so forth, and my background, my education. He's like Joe, you like you need to do this. Like I can help you. I can get you in contact with these protein powder manufacturers, the you know people who are making protein bars at the time. And arrogantly, at thirty years old, I thought, yeah, I fucking got this. Let's do this. And um, man, we got so far out ahead of our skis. We, we we instantly were in almost all 50 states. You know, year one, we're doing seven figures. And a national food company wanted us. Like, we did a pitch. And we had a 14-state order. They, they wanted, I think it was $1.5 million of product just to test us. And so we had to immediately look for capital. And I had a guy in my facility who was a broker and an attorney and he ended up just being kind of a narcissist and histrionic in, in telling us like, yeah, I got you. We're going to do this. He was going to be our CFO. He was going to take a position in the company as a principal. And then he was, you know, he was part of a, one of the biggest financial service companies in the country. So his home office on Wall Street, we were, we were faxing things back and forth, contracts, this and that. And come to find out, he just wasn't getting it done. And if he would have just said that, like we could have said, okay, like, great, we, we'll, we'll seek another avenue. But for months, he was leading us on, like, no, I've got this. The check's on my desk. Like, no, I've got this. We, the first million's here. Second million's coming next week. So he was breaking all kinds of laws, doing business away and you know SEC violations and all this. All that notwithstanding, I mean, he he was debarred. He lost his SEC license. He lost his job. He went to jail for three years, but we lost yeah. our company. We lost our company. Because we lost that contract, we had been going in debt, just trying to get bank financing to preempt, you know, what he was giving us, and then we could pay them back. So, so we dug in deep, based on his promises that weren't going to happen. And so, we were out of that industry as fast as we were in it. Like, like we were that meteoric in the beginning, and could have been a huge player. And so I had to sit back and lick my wounds for a while, but then we were able to salvage some things just in our own brand. Like you said, our diet doc precision protein had some friends in the industry who still were, you know, saying, Hey, let's reverse engineer what you had. Let's do this on a little bit smaller in-house scale. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was a, that was a nice silver lining, but man, that was one of those things that could have been, and I was just too young and I was dumb enough to trust that guy without a lot of verification and and it, it kicked us in the ass. That's uh what what time frame was this? What years were those? Do you remember? Would have been 99 to 2000, 2001. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's real early then. Like you had mentioned metrics and EAS, it's, you know, especially the rise of EAS around then. So yeah. we, we were the third company behind those two to get national shelf space. There, there Nobody else wow. was at gas stations, Walmart, anywhere. Yeah, I remember EAS for sure. I mean, that 99 was when I was reading Bill Phillips book and and, and you too. Put that on my college campus. First time I had abs and fell in love with bodybuilding for it was done. It was done deal. <laughs> so EAS was uh, was major. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, same here. Cut my teeth with Body for Life. It's on my bookshelf, um, right, right behind me, kind of displayed because I don't, I don't forget where I come from. So that's that's a it's an interesting time frame. Is that? Let me just ask you, since we both own supplement companies over here and we're pushing hard and growing like crazy, especially Jason. Is this something that you ever think you'll you'll get into on a even larger scale? Is it something that you want to pursue, or do you or do you just not see yourself trying to go that route? I'm just curious if that's something that's on it, your radar. It, it's not on my radar. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't say no to opportunity in something like that because I have experience and educationally, you know, something to offer. But at the same time, my my first love, speaking of remembering where you came from, is I'm a very clinically minded person. I went into orthopedic physical therapy because I loved working with people. And when that became less part of the industry there, that's when I left to do personal nutrition coaching. And even to this day, like I'm sitting in my new headquarters and I keep a certain part of my schedule open where just general population people off the street, you know, I, I work with, I, I help moms and pops and everybody else, you know, lose weight, change their lives. And so, you know, that's always going to be a part of what I do. And the supplement company is a little less, or the supplement industry is less attractive to me because it is, it's sales and commodity based. It's let's move product. Let's get these accounts opened. And, and I lived that life for a while. And it's just, just not quite where my skill sets are. I, I would rather, for example, be part of a team like that, you know, right. put me on the R&D team, let me help out, let me do this, but I, I got to be, you know, in something that I really love. Totally understand. Let's, um, Jason, how are you, by the way? Do you need to, you need to, you got a hard cut I, off? I do confirm he did get back to me. I got a hard stop at five, but I can just drop off. Okay. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just keep this going. Let's talk about the 2010 to 2020 era, Joe, as we start to move into this time frame. What did that look like for you? Because right, right around then is when we started to, you know, myself and Jason and, you know, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, from that time, especially, I, I always think of it as up until 2014 in online coaching is when you kind of saw the peak, especially with bodybuilding um, and especially natural bodybuilding. I don't want to pigeonhole us into just that, but that's where I was kind of following you. That's where, it, to me, I saw kind of the rise there. What was that like for you headed in past 2010 and into those early, you know, up to 2014, 2015? Yeah, that's probably about the time 2010 that I was distancing myself a little bit. So we were we, that was probably the peak of our licensing activity. Mm -hmm. And we had a really big thriving headquarters here in southern Indiana. And so I had really fully retracted into that and working with a couple hundred coaches and feeling very responsible in that licensing model to help them develop their businesses and their their client skills that that absorbed all of my time but probably about halfway through that 2015 16 17 um I, I started getting asked back like you know that that's when i became well 
I, th- I think it was 2014 is when Lane invited me to go to Australia on one of his big tours. And so a big team of us were traveling around Australia doing things. So just some people seeing me back out there, people like Paul Ravella, Ryan Doris, all of a sudden there was this uh, almost like, let's drag Joe around. He's kind of the Darwin of our industry. Like let's, as we're talking here, people became very interested in the very near origins of the industry. Like how did this all happen? We don't know. They were Kayla's age and just kind of jumping in and didn't realize the the whole beginning steps of, of the occupational uh, industry and opportunity. So I, I saw that happening, and that's when I started falling back in love with the new growth in the sport. And I thought, you know what? It's 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 time for me to circle back in, and and I don't want to say take back what I built because that's not the attitude, but it was like, you know, there's still a place to do this. It's not going to be just me coaching 300 clients at a time, trying to win a thousand more pro cards. There's this new opportunity. There are all these coaches out there who, who need this new kind of support. So, so that was, that was kind of the act two in my career about halfway through that. Are you, um, do you guys, are you guys like, start like a uh, sponsored by anyone like, you know, NASM or how do you do all that? Well, we have our own certification agency that I started the national Academy of metabolic science, but I'm also the USA director for the sports nutrition association, which based in Australia, they've gone through the extensive work to become university certified. So they had th- their program is, is, is like an associate's degree in exercise science. It's an entire year. It's recognized as a diploma over there in Asia and Australia. And so it's, I mean, to me, it's the top. It's just the top tier globally of what there is available for nutrition coaches. So I consider mine, the National Academy of Metabolic Science, a great practical how-to entry point for certifications. But if you want something like they have the full year, it's it's extensive. A lot of our NAMS graduates have gone over there. I love those guys. I've accepted the directorship as, as the USA because even though we're kind of competitors, like I have NAMS and they have that, like I bow to them. Like if there's if there's any contention, which one's better? It's the SNA. Um, so so you know that's that's where I am academically right now. We, if, if you're listening, check out the show notes. We've got, we're going to have links here for everything that Joe does from the Flexible Dining Institute to NAMS to his YouTube page and podcast. We're going to have all that stuff, even his email, if you want to contact him. Um, I've got a couple other questions for you here. And these are, and you know, Jason, Kayla, if you guys have any others, if you want to ask those now, go ahead. If not, I'm going to get into these last couple. Do you guys have anything else? Mm, no, I don't think so. Go hop, hop in. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. This is, I'm learning a lot, so I'm just listening. By the way, you know Jason, I know you're going to have to drop off soon, so I just want to say it's great to finally talk to you because I know, again, I've seen you for at least 15 years in the industry, so finally, great to finally. Definitely, yeah. Name. Likewise, very cool to hear the stories and you know how things are going and how you're still developing in the industry, so I appreciate it as well. Joe, we'll definitely be having you back on the show, man. This, Like I said, it's been a long time coming. I, I, I want to ask a couple questions here. These are personal ones for me. Um, are you 
a competitive person or where does your motivation come from? You know, what drives you? Is it the pursuit of a challenge? I mean, you've got numerous degrees. Um, are you addicted to the pursuit of an accomplishment, like the pursuit of a degree um, of wins or building businesses? What's what kind of drives you? Man, you guys have phenomenal questions. Um, this is like therapy now all of a sudden. <laughs> I'll charge you. Don't worry. I'll send you a bill. I, I literally just last week did a research review talking about the the neurochemistry of dopamine. And I had to admit to these people that I am addicted to dopamine. I mean, that's clear. I have two doctorates, four master's degrees. I just graduated from bartending school two weeks ago. Um <laughs> But not because I feel like I want the status. I think that was initially part of it, John, because I grew up in a very poor family. I was the first one to graduate college. And at a very early age, like I distinctly remember being in the second grade, looking around at my family, looking around at the trailer we lived in and seeing people around me, classmates who were like the sons of physicians and so forth, living in mansions. And it's in the second grade, I remember thinking like, holy fuck, this is not my life. Like I want more. And I knew academics or I thought, you know, that was my path forward. Obviously I wasn't going to be the next LeBron James or, you know, that's, that wasn't my path out. So it was, uh, well, I actually did think I was going to be Mr. Olympia. You know, I was that 11 year old kid. I started lifting weights when I was 11 years old, reading Flex Magazine. So, but by the time I was in high school, I realized I'd better, better rely on education. Um, and so it was always self-development, heavy pursuit. You know, I am truly an introvert where I'm not outwardly competitive. I don't want to beat you. I don't need to take what you have. But when I have clients, I will fight for their win. I will make sure that I'm over-delivering everything I can for their pursuits. So I have an intense drive but it's for the shared responsibility when somebody trusts me. So there, there's nothing very external about that. But on that internal side, I, I just hate being bored. That's why I say I, th I think just my brain is addicted to dopamine. If I'm not, if I'm not pursuing something that I feel is worthwhile, I feel like I need to make a shift. Like I don't like being bored. I don't like feeling lethargic or depressed. So I instantly look for the next thing to do and not, not in a crazy way. I know I can only do one thing at a time, but I'm, I definitely keep myself busy. See you, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. by the way, this is almost like therapy to me too, because everything you just said, dude, we're probably related. So the, the reason I have this shirt on, right. I made this myself says outwork everyone, same kid grew up in a trailer park, just saw all the shit that I didn't want to become. Um, I'm a highly competitive person. And the reason why I asked you that is as, as you were one of the people that laid the groundwork, what keeps you going as far as when you've already accomplished something does, I guess, maybe I want to ask you this. There's an unhealthy side to this, but in most people's eyes, you see people like Michael Jordan. He's a perfect example. Watch the last dance. You'll see he wanted to try and accomplish something that he hadn't done. That's why he retired in 93 after three championships. He's like, Phil Jackson didn't have anything new for him. He's like, fuck, man, I'm out. I'm going to go play baseball. Everybody's like, what the hell? He did that. He accomplished that. And the reason he came back is because he had never had a comeback before. He's like, well, fuck, there's my next challenge. So like, those are all those things. And then he retired again. And he's like, 
well, no one's ever, I haven't come back at 40 or whatever and played for a different team. So like there was all these different things. Is there anything like that that drives you in this day and age? Because you're getting to that point, you're kind of, you know, in that Michael Jordan era is like, man, what else, what else do you have to do? So what kind of drives you for the next thing? But I think a lot of this are just anthropological in all of us. Like you have your biochemistry, like I just referenced dopamine and, and, you know, my personality is my personality. I'm, I'm going to want to be active. And one of my favorite clients I ever had was actually an anthropologist who had retired from overseas work and took a job. He didn't need to. He was a super wealthy guy, but he took a job as a high school social studies teacher. And at 65 years old, and he did that just to give to the kids. Like he was the coolest teacher. Everybody loved him. He was a client of mine. I loved him. And at 65, he retired and he still, every single day, he woke up, he walked a mile, did his workout at home, put on his khakis, his fedora, grabbed his briefcase, and he went in town to do his business, which meant go to the post office, go to the bank, go to the library, read a few papers. Because he said, look, as soon as you stop moving, you die. And he said, Joe, when I'm 80 years old, we're going to work out together. We're going to celebrate my 80th birthday with a workout. Dude phone rang one day and I hear this feeble voice that I recognized and it just brought tears to my eyes. And, and that guy, like that's the blueprint for my life. I don't, I don't have to be conquering the world or slaying another dragon, but stay busy doing what you love. You know, my, my two-year-old grandson, um, I just joined, I, I just called to join because I've done martial arts a few times in my life. And I was just thinking in the last couple of weeks, I physically need a new challenge. I yeah. have been training like a bodybuilder for 40 plus years. I'm not getting any stronger. Like what's the next thing that can keep me accountable and new. And so I'm going to, I'm going to reenter martial arts at 53 years old. So it's just, it, it's staying busy, being productive in a way that I want my life to look. I have consistently always thought five and 10 years ahead, wherever I want to be at 55, at 60, at 70, what am I doing right now that's going to put me there? Some of that's intellectual, some of it's social, some of it's physical, but I have to constantly, constantly be working toward that, or I know I'll be one of those people with regrets. And, and to me, that's death. Yeah, I think there's something that goes to say, if you really study successful people like yourself and other industries, I study so many other industries to people that are wired like this, right? Because I'm I'm older, but I still, I still try and reach out and find other people that have done this at a bigger scale than me. So like having you on this podcast and studying other people, that's so crucial to me. How important is it for you to keep reinventing yourself? Because we see so many coaches hit a certain level and they get they just like to stay where they're at. But if you're constantly looking to reinvent yourself, how important has that been? Because if you look over the last 25, 30 years that you've been doing this, there's a constant reinvention. Is that something that you're, that you're aware of to this day? Is that part of your daily? hundred okay. percent. It, it's not always easy, but to me it's necessary. So when I had invested all that time, and again, with our shared childhoods, like, you know how tough it is. I went to college. I worked my, I, I worked five jobs at a time to go to college and then to say, okay, I got that degree in physical therapy, pre-med. I'm going to set that aside and do something else. Like that's a big change. But 
always looking ahead once. I, so I had my my doctorate in nutrition, and then once I started publishing and I had all that magazine experience, I started thinking, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the book game. That's when I did another PhD in health education because I thought something a little bit broader in health would help with general population medical communities, and it did. But then I thought, okay, when I'm about 50, I'm going to want to start slowing down. And I love writing. I've always, I've had minors in English and that kind of thing. So I did a master's degree in creative and professional writing. And my goal was to just learn fiction. I'm going to be the next Stephen King when I retire. But I got in front of a lot of great professors who are nonfiction writers. And they're like, dude, you've been writing nonfiction. You've already have all these yeah. publishing credits. Like, like. So I my thesis in that master's program was inside of personality psychology and social psychology, and that really whetted my appetite so that when I got out of that, I thought, well, now I really need to know more about social psychology. So I did a master's in social psych at Harvard, and then I thought, okay, that was social psychology, and I really want to write like Malcolm Gladwell. And so I really need a little bit more breadth. So during COVID, I did a master's in social science. So I got more anthropology and political science and in all of that. And then I said, I just went to bartending school with my, my son. Um, that's to shape and develop me and, and give me some opportunities in different areas. But it's just it's just doing what you love. It's being willing to pursue the next thing, I think, that's really important to me. I love it. We've got one more question. I know Kayla's got to dip out. So this this I saved this. I sent this to you in an email so you could look at it. Um, for people that are super high achievers, this is a personal question for me. So once you read once you reach a certain level, where do you go? You know, that's that saying lonely at the top is sometimes frowned upon. Because for some people, it's it's a very real thing, but people, you know, you always hear people say, you should never say it's lonely at the top. But if you really think about it, the more successful you become, the less people you have who are at your level or better than you that either you can learn from or surround yourself with. So as you reach these next levels, as you become successful, it becomes harder to have those people around you in your circle. You're either the business owner um, with employees under you, or you're a coach with clients that have to come to you because they're looking to you. They hold you at that next higher level. Where do you go when you need something? Who is that person that you draw from? Do you have a group? Do you have a circle of people? To me, this can become a very lonely industry. And by the way, I've got a long ways to go. I mean, I've had pretty good success, but I've started to see it to where a little bit, it starts to become lonely the more you accomplish and the more you start to separate yourself from. Where Where do you go with that? This, this is going to be a little bit philosophical because probably around the time we started having kids and my oldest son is 28 years old, you and I with, again, our shared backgrounds, um, you know, my family, a lot of poverty, a lot of blue collar, hardworking families. And I saw a lot of people who would develop careers or come into money in some way and create it. I mean, kudos to them, you know, work hard and and get that reward. But I always thought there is just a shittiness to some people who start to think that they're better than other people. Right. And I never wanted that to transfer down to my kids. I had that hunger. You had that hunger because there was no alternative. I did not want to create soft, entitled kids. And so my wife and I, 
not not like a vow of poverty, but we just always decided we are going to live well below our means. We're going to be normal people. And and I consider that the same, John, in just who I associate with. I my life is full of regular people. And so, you know, who do I look to? I look I have clients who will sometimes tell me, like, why do you even work with me? You could work with anybody. Like anybody would want to work with you. And yet you're working with me and I'm like, or even just friends, like you, we, I, you know, go to a movie or something and like, that, that's such a weird question to me, but I get it. Um, you know, we, we do tend to isolate ourselves lonely at the top, but that's just not the way I'm wired there. There is no, I, I don't like the top. I I'm down here with everybody else, just working hard, doing my thing. And, and I, I agree with you as well. I'm extremely humble. I guess the thing I'm trying to get at is, when you need to run things by someone, someone that's done things at, an, at a higher level, or if you come across something that you haven't done yet, or sometimes it's just nice to talk to other people that understand the struggle of the things that you're doing, where a lot of the times our employees and our coaches or our, our clients, they can't help us with that. We're giving a ton of energy to them. My question is, do you have anyone that you go to that's at that next level or that you can draw from or you can maybe even get advice from at this time? That That's the loneliness that I'm talking about. You, you answered this partly earlier, and I have two answers. One is to what you said earlier. It's cross-industry. You know, I have clients who are CEOs of billion-dollar companies, and when I need to learn something about higher-level business, like I have plenty of people who do more than I do in, in a lot of different areas. But then I also look at coaches who may not have had the the successes I've had, but they're great in areas that I'm not great in. And so like in our Nutrition Coaching Global Mastermind last night, our session, our monthly session, Lauren Conlon spoke and it was all about, you know, social media. She's great at social media. I don't like social media. So I learn from people like her. So again, there's there's nobody that's that I would consider that. I, I can't learn from. I, I can learn from anybody and I recognize other people's strengths when I need those. But I, I totally get what you mean. Um, but I'm as an introvert, I'm I know I'm an introvert. And so I have to intentionally seek support from other people. And I, I've learned to do that. And and like you said, I do it with with I hope a lot of humility. Yeah, that you definitely do. And that's the question I like to ask for a lot of high achievers because we're all wired so different. We all have those different needs. I, I constantly crave to be around other people. That's why I love hosting a podcast because I can have a bunch of people on that have done things I haven't done and I get to learn from them. So um, Joe, we've got to have you back on. This is what a great, what a great episode. There's so much meat on the bone. There's so many other topics. I've got a sister podcast. I'd love to have you on called the fat muscle project. Um, we're going to go ahead and shut this one down again. If you're listening, please leave us a review, check out the show notes. We've got all of our information there. If you want to hear other guests topics, check out all of Joe's information. We're going to dip out for myself, Kayla and Dr. Joe. We're out of here. See you guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Guys.